Well, one of the things I enjoyed about my previous uh, church that I served was the apple tree in the backyard of the house where we lived. Not only did it uh, bring deer into the yard in the fall to eat the apples, but the first year that we were there, it produced enough apples to shred and press 12 gallons of cider, which my children loved. Um, However, the second year we were there, um, that we lived there, we had a hard frost in the spring, which prevented the apples um, from growing that fall. And I will be honest with you, I was a little bit disappointed. What's the point of having an apple tree in your backyard if it doesn't have apples on it to eat? Sure, you can go to the store and buy apples, but for me and for my kids, uh, and maybe for some of you, there's something special about going out to the tree and picking your own apples and cleaning them and shredding them and pressing them into cider. Here are a couple pictures of my kids um, pressing cider with their grandma and grandpa. It's a beautiful memory for me. You may wonder, you may wonder what making apple cider has to do with our current teaching series, Boiling Point, but let me assure you, let me assure you, it does, it does connect, and it does relate. Today, we are in week two of our teaching series, Boiling Point, and in this series, we're looking at five specific actions or reactions that took Jesus to his boiling point, five things that, that May, that miffed our Messiah, that made him mad. And, so, and in so doing, we're examining how, we can, how we're called to live in relationship with God, in relationship with Christ, in our world, in our current time, in our current culture. This idea of apples produced on trees and then turned into apple cider directly relates to our theme for today. Because one of the things that infuriated our Savior um, was the same thing that disappointed me a few years ago when we had that hard freeze. An apple tree that didn't produce apples was frustrating. If a tree doesn't produce apples, then there's something wrong. The tree is not doing what it's supposed to do. It's not doing what it's designed to do. It's not doing what it's meant to do. I often get angry when things don't work the way that I believe they're supposed to work. An easy example of that is when the Wi-Fi goes down in the house and I get a little frustrated when the Wi-Fi, maybe that's not you. I'm sure that you're all fine with that. And it, it is kind of a first world problem, but when the Wi-Fi doesn't work it, the way it's supposed to, I get angry. When my car doesn't work the way that it's supposed to, I get frustrated. When my body fails to operate the way that I feel like it should, I get mad. When something doesn't work the way that it's designed to work, we get angry. When the apple tree fails to, pr to produce apples, we get mad. We all get mad about different things when different things don't work the way they're supposed to work, whether it's the Wi-Fi or our cars. When something doesn't function the way it's designed to perform, we get frustrated. When something is created with a purpose and it fails to fulfill that purpose, we get upset, and rightly so. Who here wouldn't get upset if your coffee cup had a hole in the bottom or on the side preventing you from drinking from it, right? It, as simple as it is, the coffee cup, um, it has a design and a function. It's designed to hold the coffee to keep it warm, and I hope it's still hot, um, and it's designed to help us drink the hot coffee. But if there's a hole in the bottom, it's not serving its purpose. It's not serving its function, and we can get frustrated at it. We're not the only one who gets angry when something um, that is designed for a specific purpose fails to live out and fulfill that purpose. Jesus also got angry when he saw things that were designed to meet a purpose but failed 
to do so. In fact, Jesus repeatedly gets angry when he's confronted with people and things that were not living out their calling and their purpose in the world. Jesus not only got angry at trees um, that didn't produce fruit, but Jesus also got angry at people who failed to live out their purpose. So we're going to continue this analogy of fruit trees for a few more minutes because Jesus used fruit trees and grapevines and agricultural imagery repeatedly throughout Scripture to teach. The first century was a time of agriculture, and Jesus' teaching about vines and trees and gardening and fruit was intended to help people understand complex issues or complex topics using a familiar image or metaphor. Jesus' illustrations of trees, fruits, and plants would be similar to me talking about cell phones or automobiles or even electricity, something that everyone would have a common understanding of, a basis of understanding. So we're going to dive into Scripture this morning, and to begin, I want to take you to an event that happened between Palm Sunday and Easter. Palm Sunday and Easter. If you remember the Easter story, a week before Easter and the resurrection, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a colt, on a colt to the cheers of crowds. We call, it, we call it Palm Sunday. Once he entered the city, he went into the temple and cleared out the money changers. Now, we're going to talk about that event of clearing out the money changers next week. But later on that evening, Jesus walked to the city of Bethany, which was approximately two miles away from Jerusalem. So he walked to Bethany to spend the night. The next morning, so the Monday after Palm Sunday, the morning after the triumphal entry, Jesus wakes up in Bethany and walks back to Jerusalem, and this is where the story takes place on that Monday morning. So in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 18 and 20, we find this account. In the morning... As Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry, and he noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. He said to it, May you never bear fruit again! Exclamation point. Remember, exclamation points are there for a reason. It means emotion and loudness of the speaker. And immediately the fig tree withered up. The disciples were amazed when they saw this and asked, How did the fig tree wither so quickly? When I read this passage, um, I often think to myself, wow, Jesus is hangry, right? He's hangry. He's he's angry and he's hungry. He's hungry angry. We often forget that um, Jesus was human and so he got hungry too. and, And so was Jesus hungry or was Jesus angry? And if Jesus was angry, why was he mad at a tree? Think about this for a minute logically. Um, Jesus spent the night in Bethany. He got up in the morning to walk two miles to go back to Jerusalem. He is traveling on the road, and he's hungry. He looks off the path and sees a fig tree, but not just any fig tree, a beautiful fig tree full of beautiful, gorgeous leaves. A tree that looks as though it should be overladen with fruit. Jesus gets excited. There's a beautiful fruit tree, but to his dismay as he approaches the tree, he soon realizes that even though the tree is gorgeous, even though the tree has all of these lush leaves and it looks beautiful, it has no fruit. What looked like a beautiful, beautiful and productive tree was really nothing more than a disappointment. The outward appearance didn't match the production. It was like the apple tree in the backyard of of my old house, It didn't have any apples on it. It was pretty to look at, 
but it didn't serve its purpose. When Jesus saw that there was no fruit on the tree, he cursed the tree. Cursed the tree. He got mad at the tree. He yelled at the tree because it was fruitless. A fruit tree without fruit does not serve its purpose. It failed to meet its intended design, and Jesus cursed the tree. And the tree withered in front of the disciples, and they were amazed at what they saw. Our first boiling point today, the first thing I want to talk about that took Jesus to his boiling point was fruitless trees. Jesus yelled at the tree that didn't produce fruit. A tree that was designed to accomplish a specific task but failed to achieve that task. Jesus reached his boiling point when he went to the tree to harvest the intended fruit that was supposed to be there, but it failed to provide. Understand this analogy in relationship to our lives as people of faith, the followers of Jesus Christ. We are designed with a purpose and a mission in this life. We are called to live out that purpose in the world. At some point, Jesus is going to come to us expecting there to be tangible fruit on our proverbial tree. In the text, when Jesus says that there was no fruit on the tree, he got angry and he yelled at the tree. Jesus cursed the tree that failed to produce fruit. But, but trees are not people, right? Trees are not people. We can understand Jesus being mad at a tree that didn't produce fruit because he was hungry. But would Jesus get mad at us in the same way? Would Jesus genuinely get mad at us for not producing fruit in our lives? Well, once is an occurrence, twice is unexpected, and three times is a pattern. And Jesus talked about fruitless trees and fruitless lives repeatedly. But cursing a tree on the road to Jerusalem is a far cry from cursing people. Jesus got mad at fruitless trees, but he also did get mad at fruitless people. So let's turn back a little earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, and we'll look at another teaching that Jesus gave about fruitless people and fruitless lives. And it comes from Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20, where Jesus says these words, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way that they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So here we find Jesus teaching about false prophets, fruit, both good and bad, paralleling them to people and their actions. So let's step through this for a moment. Jesus begins by talking about false prophets. This is a conversation that repeatedly surfaces in not only the Gospels, but also the Epistles. Jesus was teaching things that were different than the traditional religious thought process at the time. Much of Judaism focused on the legalism of upholding the law of Moses. Jesus taught a different approach and interpretation to that law, to the Torah and the Jewish laws. But Jesus gives a warning to those who are listening to be mindful of other voices that they're listening to, these false prophets. 
And this is a warning that we too should heed in our lives. There are many voices, there are many voices, there are many voices that are telling us how we are supposed to live our lives in this world. But Jesus says to beware of the false prophets. Beware of those voices that aren't speaking, you tr speaking truth to you. He warns the people that those voices often look good on the outside. Jesus says they look like harmless sheep. When in fact, they're actually vicious wolves. Jesus gives us the identification point um, that genuinely tells us who someone is. And that is the fruit of their life. Jesus says you can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. If you begin to question the validity of someone's voice in your life, look at their fruit. Jesus talks about plants and the fruit they produce. It's obvious and logical. Grapes don't grow on thorn bushes. Figs don't grow on thistle plants. Only good trees produce good fruit. But what is good fruit? What is good fruit? Good fruit tastes good and is nutritious. Apples are good fruit. Nightlock berries from the Hunger Games, on the other hand, or Deadly Nightshade, is a terrible fruit. It looks like fruit, but it's really, but if you eat it, it's poisonous. I, I think it's important to realize that bad fruit looks appealing at first glance. Now, if you've read The Hunger Games or have seen the movie, you know that the nylock berries look like beautiful berries. They look like beautiful berries. But while they're attractive in appearance, they are toxic and they are poisonous. But bad fruit often looks good at first. But upon closer inspection, you realize that it's toxic. The second boiling point for us this morning, the boiling point that took Jesus and made him mad is bad fruit. Jesus is clear that he doesn't tolerate bad fruit in people's lives. Our first scripture passage today illustrated Jesus' anger at fruitless trees, but here Jesus explains that it's not merely a choice between no fruit and good fruit. There's also bad fruit. Jesus is clear that he is angry at, angered at those who produce bad fruit, and this is illustrated in his reaction to the tree that produces bad fruit. Jesus says, so every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. You realize the significance of that statement? What it means to be chopped down and thrown into the fire? Jesus is saying that if your life does not produce fruit that is good for the kingdom of God, then first, you're not living out your purpose, and second, you should be cut down and thrown into the fire. That's a pretty intense teaching, isn't it? That's pretty, a pretty dramatic response. So this begs the question, what is good fruit and what is bad fruit? And the simplest way that I could say it, without going into a list, is that good fruit is delicious and nutritious, and it builds the kingdom of God. Bad fruit is toxic, it's poisonous, and it breaks down the kingdom of God. Jesus concludes this portion of his teaching by saying, just as you can identify a tree with its, by its fruit, so too you can identify people by their actions. Look at their actions, what is the fruit of their life? Now let me be clear, please let me be clear this morning. God is our judge, 
I'm not telling you to judge anything. It is important to understand that God is our judge. God is my judge. God is your judge. God is our judge. We are not called to judge others. We are not responsible for judging others. But Jesus says that there's a simple way for us to make observations of ourselves. Do we talk the talk or do we walk the walk? Our actions speak louder than our words. Jesus says you can identify people by their actions. So what are our fruits. The fruit of our life is what we do in the world. It's not what we say that we do in the world. It's not that what we wish we did in the world. It's what we actually do in the world. While Jesus was not yelling during this teaching, it's evident through the words that Jesus uses that trees that produce bad fruit took Jesus to his boiling point. Instead of saying that he came to forgive us for everything we did in our life, or do in our life, Jesus said that if the fruit of our life, the actions that we live, are bad fruit, then our trees should be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, that's a really hard line to hear. It's a really hard line to say in front of people. But it's true. And sometimes the truth is hard to hear, Jesus reached his boiling point when people failed to produce good fruit. And while this is, is a challenging teaching to accept and hear, before you pass judgment, before you shut off for the rest of the message this morning, let me share with you another teaching, one more teaching from Christ, from the Gospel of Luke, that paints another picture of, of God's grace as it relates to fruitless trees. Because this passage is, is that Jesus still gets angry at fruitless trees, but here instead we find grace and mercy and love for us and a willingness to give us the time that we need to change, a time to start over. And so from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 13, we find this. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came and again and again to see if there was any fruit on it, but he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig, exclamation point. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, Sir, give it more, one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. Once again, we see Jesus getting angry about fruitless trees, but in this story, Jesus adds to the idea of cutting down the tree and throwing it away. The man plants a tree, and after three years, it's still not producing. And the gardener says, just cut it down, get rid of it, it's a waste of space. But the gardener asks to give it one more chance. Give it one more chance. Let me nourish this plant for one more year. Let me give it plenty of fertilizer. Let me give it everything it needs to be successful and productive. You see, the gardener wants to give the tree more time and investment. The gardener wants to provide the tree with another chance. The gardener in our lives is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that God would send the Holy Spirit to this earth, his advocate, and that happened at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit, our sustainer in life, the living presence of God in our world today, is ready to give us particular attention and restore our lives. 
Jesus is willing to provide us with another chance to do what we were created to do. Jesus is teaching his disciples that God is willing and ready to give them the nourishment that they need to produce fruits. If you're willing to receive the nourishment that you need from God, if you're willing to be fertilized and watered and absorb all that you need from the soil and the sun, you can thrive and produce good fruit again in your life. Fruits determine the health of the plants. A good tree can only produce good fruits. A bad tree can only produce bad fruit. Jesus is saying that the gardener, the one who invests in the plant, says, give it one more year. Give it a little more time. Give it one more chance. The hard reality is that even after a year of intentional investment, if the fig tree fails to produce, Jesus says it still is going to be cut down. You see, one of the things that Jesus offers us is another chance in this life. Jesus offers us a chance to produce good fruits. And those fruits are the byproduct of the goodness of Jesus Christ and our relationship with him in our lives. But one of the things that took Jesus to his boiling point was one time where Jesus said enough was enough was when people were given another chance and yet they failed to produce fruit. The good news is that, is that because Jesus died for you and because Jesus died for me, we each have another chance. We have another chance. We're offered the opportunity to turn our lives around and produce meaningful fruit again. Because of who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross, we have another chance. God sent his Holy Spirit to be our sustainer, to be the living breath of God in our word, the nutrients that we need and we are being invested in by God. Maybe today, maybe today as you've listened to me talk about trees and fruit and actions, you found yourself thinking deeply about your life. We all wonder at times, we all wonder at times if we are truly living out God's purpose in our life. Are we being who God has called us to be? Are we living the life that God has called us to live? There was a time in my life when I looked at the fruits of my life and I saw very few good fruits. But I knew, I knew that I was not a bad plant. I knew that I was not a bad tree. Recognizing the inner problem is never easy, but it is essential if we're going to change the direction of our lives. God is ready and waiting to offer you another chance. God is ready and waiting to invest in your life. God is ready and waiting to give you everything, everything that you need to be spiritually filled. Christ has offered you salvation, and all you need to do is accept it. The Holy Spirit, God's sustaining presence in your life, is knocking on the door, and all you have to do is open the door and let him in. Jesus said you can identify a tree by its fruit, so too you can identify people by their actions. So my question is, what fruit in your life do people recognize you by? Are you an apple tree with apples? A fig tree with figs? Or when people look at you, do they see a beautiful tree filled with beautiful and nutritious fruit? What kind of fruit does your life in Christ produce? Are you fruitful, fruitless, good fruit, bad fruit? If you're ready 
today for the winds of God's challenge and change in your life, I'm going to invite you to pray with me in a moment. If today you hear God calling you to a different place in life, a different place, a place of fruitfulness, I want to pray for you. You see, God's hand is extended to you, and he's ready to offer you another chance, another year of intentional growth, another chance to change the trajectory of your future. In just a moment, we're going to pray. But before we do, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit has been moving in this place today. If you're ready to commit your life to Christ, or you're ready to recommit your life to Christ, if you're ready to say, I am taking a stand for my faith, you need to do nothing but open your heart to God as we pray. If this is not you this morning, I'm going to ask you to pray with me as well. I want you to encourage all of those who are here today who are ready for change in their life. You see, God meets us where we are, but God loves us too much to leave us the same way that he found us. Christ died for us, and that restores us to God. The Holy Spirit is our sustainer in life and our, in our present real experience of God in our day-to-day -day life. The saving grace of Christ and the life-transforming power of the Holy Spirit is available to all of us. God is offering you another chance. So now, with, with every eye closed and all heads bowed, I invite you to join me in prayer. Living God, as we look at our lives, we realize that we have not always produced fruit. Today, we lift our hearts to you. Come into our lives anew this day. Jesus, we give ourselves to your saving grace. Holy Spirit, work in us. Feed our hearts and our minds. Nourish our lives so that we would produce good fruit again. We give ourselves to you, God. We commit ourselves to your ways. Thank you for loving us enough to save us from our past and bring us into your glorious present and future. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. And everyone said, Today to Christ, or if you recommitted your life today, I want to invite you to meet with me or the prayer team after service. I want to invite you to join in an online devotional group. It won't provide all of the growth that you need. It won't give you all of the knowledge that you need, but it will be fertilizer, nourishment to give you a course to take. It's a starting point. So if that was you today and you committed your life to Christ or you recommitted your life and you'd like to be a part of that, please stop by the table in the worship, or outside of the worship center. And I or one of the prayer team would love to pray with you. God is ready and willing to invest in us. It's time to be fruitful again.